The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I... Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people. And anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday. Um, it's been a long week. <laughs> it really has. And uh, some of you were making mention uh, earlier that uh, I look a little tired on the video the other day. Uh, it was, I was, I was very tired, but you know, when you're being spent, uh, in the service of the kingdom, um, you got to be spent. That's just the way it is. You need your rest and everything, but you got to be spent. And, uh, so yeah, I was looking a little peek at three radio shows in one day and, uh, all the work that I have to do. Otherwise, sometimes we'll do that to you. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. Sons of Liberty Radio.com and Sons of Liberty Media.com. If you'd like to watch the video portion of the show, that's right, you can see the face is made for radio. That tired face sometimes. <laughs> SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down there on the right, and uh, you'll be able to, to enlarge that if you want to watch the video portion of the show. You can also watch that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. Um, my Periscope account is Setting Brush Fires. We're also broadcasting on our Facebook page, Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel, B Dean Sons of Liberty, and that's being mirrored over on the Setting Brush Fires. We're trying to get as much reach as we can. And uh, before it's news.com, we're there every weekday morning at 6 a.m., 8 a.m. on Saturdays. Bradley's there at 3 p.m. Monday through Saturday. And then finally on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. You can also find us on Spreely Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And if you would like to call in, uh, we may go a little over today. Just going to let you know because there's a lot of information that we're going to cover on the subject that we're talking about. So we may go over a little bit today. So you guys listening by Red State Talk Radio, if you want to hear all of it, you'll probably have to push over to one of these uh, these the video platforms that we're on uh, to catch the end of the show or catch it in the archive at sonsoflibertymedia.com later on this morning. If you'd like to call in, 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. Those of you watching us in the bottom right-hand portion of your screen. Okay, so we had David Zuniga. Now he's corrected me on the pronunciation. We've known each other for years, and this is the first time I've gotten the correction. So um, I'm, I'm hoping I, I remembered that correctly. Zuniga. And um, he's joining me, and also uh, John Lazoric. And these guys are from tacticalcivics.com. We had him on to discuss uh, America's hijacker, Abraham Lincoln. Um, and, that was, and the follow-up yesterday was obviously Thomas D. Lorenzo to that. 
And then uh, we had him on to dis- discuss the Constitution Militia 2.0. And people really enjoyed what you had going on there, David. And so I said, well, we did this before when the show was setting brush fires. We talked about the grand jury coming alongside that. And these two things, these these elements, this this grand jury and this militia, are really the, the people's teeth. They're the things that the people utilize. Everybody gets frustrated. What can we do? And all they think they can do is vote for a guy or something like this or vote for a party, whatever. And they think things are going to change, and they aren't. Um, the very things that resonate with them where they want to see justice being brought is the very things they have a hand in doing, but they've forgotten their duties, like their fathers. Their fathers have forgotten their duties, and so they teach it to us, the kids, and then we forget the duties. And part of repentance is to remember what those duties are and then to execute them. So to help me do that is David Zuniga and John Lazoric, and let me change that, Zuniga. <laughs> so good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> good morning, Tim. Uh, is John is you know, John there? Yes, I'm here. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, good to have you guys. Okay, David, I'm going to kick it over to you. We're going to talk about the grand jury and what part that plays in the execution of justice here in the United States. Yes. Uh, John and I this morning will, will be uh, sort of team teaching, so uh, be ready for a lot of material. You know, um, you've covered all the the high points here in your in your run up when you set this up uh we're when you study the constitution when you study the writings of the founders the rulings of the supreme court uh you know and i've said this on your show several times the most basic principle of american civics is that we uh we the people are the top level of government we're the we're the apex the top sovereign over our system we the people, though, is a collective term. So for those of you who follow the sovereign citizen movement, that is not what we teach. Tactical civics is the only institution, the only organization, the only group right now in this country teaching what we teach. We get to the meat. The sovereign citizen movement essentially teaches do whatever you want. You know, each person's a sovereign, you're a sovereign, I'm a sovereign. That's anarchy. That's counterfeit sovereignty. So if you've studied the Constitution and the rulings of federal courts, at least until about uh, 50 or 60 years ago, uh, or if you read uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling by Scalia, by uh, the late Judge Antonin Scalia, uh, Justice Scalia, in the 1992 case, United States versus Williams, and John and I are going to be covering that today, you know that when you're serving on your county grand jury, you're independent of the judge, okay? The grand jury, you're independent of the district attorney. You're independent of the sheriff or any other employee of the court. So remember that, okay? That's the whole thing about this sovereignty that we have. That's how it works. When you get into the law, we are independent of, okay, So the grand jury is, John has mentioned this before on our Sunday night shows many times, grand jury is a thousand year, over a thousand year old institution. In the Constitution, we acknowledge it. We respect it in the Constitution, but we don't establish grand jury in the Constitution because the grand jury predates the Constitution. Right, John? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Uh and and just as with uh but 
just as with the collective sovereignty we have as Americans, there are rules for how the grand jury actually has to function. Uh, it's not just what, what people may want to do. When uh, your county clerk uh, calls a panel of citizens at random from whether they do it from voter rolls or driver registrations or the phone book or any other random method, that is the, that is the lawful way of empaneling a true grand jury. Uh, now, some, some private groups uh, will call themselves together because they see they see the need for this, but they're not they're not willing to actually abide by the proper procedure. They will call themselves together, call themselves a grand jury. That's anarchy. It is a counterfeit grand jury, and and, it, and it's a shame because it it just muddies the waters. It makes it harder uh, for us to educate Americans about the real thing. Uh, kind of like that uh, that woman in Alaska who refers to herself as Judge Anna. She appointed herself, and her followers include all, all kinds of self-appointed magistrates. But again, that's, that is not that is anarchy. Uh, as the uh, as the wheels seem to be coming off our civilization, we the results we see all around us are a clash between tyranny on one side and anarchy on the other. But those are not the only two options. We do not need to let this go on, and that is what tactical civics is all about, uh, bringing us back to the rule of law. And as David said, it is a very ancient rule of law. Uh, all the way back in 997 AD, there was a document called The Dooms of King Ethelred, uh, very interesting circumstances that led to this, this being signed, uh, we find the original mention of a county grand jury. Uh, and the quote is, there shall be an assembly in every hundred, and in that assembly shall go forth the twelve eldest knights and the reeve along with them, and let them swear that they will never knowingly accuse an innocent man nor conceal a guilty man. Let's, that, let's, is the, that is the... Let's go back a little further than part, that, John. Let's go back a little further than that. Let's go back to, to, the, to the Old Testament. Um, we, there was an establishment of elders in the city, and when people had an issue that they wanted to deal with uh, that required you know, that kind of, of, of movement, they took it to the elders. And the Bible tells us even when somebody had accidentally killed somebody, there was a city of refuge. They went there, uh, it, unless the avenger got to them first. And then they went there, and they stayed there, and they were protected until the elders could come and they could begin examining. This is sort of the the first we we see um, that predates even what you're talking about there of sort of a jury. These are people appointed by the people in the city and they, they examined the information, the evidence against the accused, and then they would render a judgment over that. Uh, so I, this goes back even further than, than what you're talking about there. Well, that's right. The idea that ultimately the law is in the hands of us as individuals, as I like to say, as, as naked consciences before God, that is that is really the root of our of our civilization and our and our rule of law that the law should be in the hands of the people so um, we have a list of uh, to 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 educate people in a in just a very short time about the actual powers of the grand jury and how it should function we have a a little uh, uh, paper we call grand jury awake and if you if you let us we will we will run through run through these uh, 15 or 16 points, I think it is. Um, the first point is, when serving on your grand jury, you are the highest authority in the courthouse, and you are to have free use of the courthouse 
for the deliberations of your panel. And, and we, at some point, we can go into all of the uh, all of the uh, legal background for these points. These are, are distillations of what the state of the law actually is. Uh, point number two: uh, While serving on your county grand jury, you are not required to take directions or instructions from the judge or the prosecutor. In fact, the grand jury may require that all court staff leave the chamber while it is deliberating. Point number three. After empaneling a grand jury, a judge has no further business with or influence over that grand jury panel. Point number four, a notice to a grand jury of a potential crime being committed is referred to as a presentment. Uh, any citizen can provide one, and members of the grand jury themselves may create presentments based on their own knowledge uh, or citizen tips or referrals. That's right. Let me uh, continue with point number five. Uh, state and county grand juries aren't required, are not required, to honor or to abide by the federal rules of criminal procedure. Those, the FRCP, are for federal employees, folks, not for free citizens serving on a grand jury outside the federal system. Remember that. Point number six is that when you're serving on your grand jury, um, you can have your associated constitutional militia, if it exists in your county, you can have them conduct a raid on any public office within your jurisdiction, within the county, and you can demand immediate access to records, uh, computers, files, cell phones, any other potential evidence associated with a criminal presentment. Now, a grand jury can't go obtain evidence after it issues an indictment. Once it, once a grand jury issues a true bill, what's called a true bill, your, your work is done. That's as far as the grand jury goes. Now, let me stop a minute here, um, clarify an important point about uh, what I would call us versus them, okay? Just like militia is the people's own law enforcement arm, so is grand jury, okay? Your, your listeners might remember that I've said that the U.S. Constitution is the law whereby we the people create and define and limit a servant government in three branches. That's what we do with that law, okay? That means that in the Constitution, we the people, we don't define, create, or define, or limit our powers, okay? So, and the grand jury is our power, okay? So... As an institution, like John said, in every village, every shire, every town, whatever uh, uh, political subdivisions we have, the grand jury has existed for 800 years prior to the U.S. Constitution. And like you said, Tim, really this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, to the Book of Judges. This, this is our Western rule of law, and it goes as far as time out of mind. Okay, so. What you're going to be hearing this morning from the late Justice uh, Antony Scalia when you opined about, uh, uh, in a case that John will mention a, a lot of, uh, is that the grand jury uses the courthouse facilities, okay? You go and you, when you're impaneled on a grand jury, yeah, you're in the courthouse, you're using it, but you're, you're not a court function. You're not a, an appendage of the court. The grand jury is the people's panel. Remember that. Okay, you're separate. Okay, 
For instance, here's, here's a really important point. In the Fourth Amendment, we say that no warrant shall issue without probable cause. And upon oath or affirmation and all that, okay, that applies to a warrant issued by a court. Okay, remember that. Not for a warrant that's issued by the people's grand jury. Two different things. Okay, the purpose of grand jury is to discover if there's probable cause for hey, prosecution. David, grand jury doesn't prosecute. Let me let me interject something here because I can I can see the wheels turning in people's minds because you just separated out. You're talking about a grand jury, then you're talking about uh, the you know a court issuing this warrant. How do you, for a people who see the system as being corrupt, even within the court system, judges and such, how yes. do they move to deal with the, the first step, and that is, okay, how do we get the corruption out of the court first so that we can do the second thing, too? Um, <laughs> what, what's, what's the thing that they have to do there? Are, are, are you talking about a bent judge or a bent absolutely. DA? Or what are you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In those now, remember, in, in a case, let's say a judge refuses to impanel a grand jury. The people ask and the judge refuses. A, a, uh, a sheriff according to Scalia, a sheriff can impanel a grand jury. A sheriff can call a grand jury together. Now, what if the sheriff is bent? Here's, here's the normal. Now, people don't know this. They don't understand that we have this power. <clears throat> you, if you say we need a grand jury because look what's going on in our county, you can, you can uh, uh, demand, essentially demand, <clears throat> excuse me, of your, of your judge, of your court, uh, that they impanel a grand jury. That's the only part that the judge plays, okay? He actually, he or she impanels the grand jury that's been selected at random from public records by the clerk. Okay, so you, you, you go and you, you can do two things. You as a citizen today can do two things. You can go and put your name on a waiting list and say, I want to serve on the next grand jury. If you need me, I'm here. Here, take my information. So you can you can go sign up to serve on grand. You don't have to be called for grand jury. You can go sign. Now they may not pick you, okay? But you can do that. So number one, you can sign up to serve if you want to serve on a grand jury. And number two, you can sign up and say we need a grand jury impaneled right now. We have reason to believe, and the, the judge doesn't have to agree with you. But the judge does have to impanel that grand jury. So that's when it becomes political. And you, like you say, Tim, in the case of a bent judge, for instance, or a bent DA, you're, you're going to have to take it to the newspaper, to the local TV, so whatever you have to do to say, we need a grand jury. Okay, so that's, that's how you start that. Let me, let me keep going because John and I have a lot of ground to cover, and I think this will become clearer as we go. Okay, okay. right. The purpose of grand jury is not to, to decide guilt or innocence. That's the purpose of the trial process. Grand jury is not the trial process. Grand jury only determines whether probable cause exists. A crime may be in, you know, in process. Okay, so, so remember, uh, no warrant shall issue without probable cause and without oath or affirmation, that's right. So probable cause, how do you get it? You either get it by a cop saying, I saw the guy shoot the gal or whatever, or you, you know, or I saw him in the commission of a crime, 
or the grand jury issues a true bill of indictment. Those are the two ways you can get busted. Okay, so the grand jury can ask for support. When you're sitting on a grand jury, you can say, hey, we, we really need help from the prosecutor. You can do that. You can ask the prosecutor to come in, the DA to come, but the DA isn't supposed to be in with you running the show, and that's what happens right now because citizens don't know their rights, their responsibilities, their authority, their power when they're serving on grand jury. Prosecutor is not supposed to be in the room with you unless you call them in and say, hey, we need this or that. So the, the grand jury does not need any authority beyond its own to establish reasonable suspicion in order to subpoena documents or physical evidence for, for militia or for any law enforcement to go seize, okay, or to, to bring a witness in to interrogate them. Okay, so the next point, point number seven. I said it before, I'll say it again. I want to really make this clear. The grand jury is independent of the court. Remember that. If a judge or a prosecutor tries to tamper with, tries to, to uh, direct or influence your grand jury panel, when you're doing evidence collection, uh, when, you're, when you're deposing witnesses or suspects, any investigation, that's obstruction of justice. That judge cannot do that. That prosecutor cannot do We can call it contempt of grand jury. You know how judges say, oh, you know, that's, I'll find you in contempt of court. Well, we can find that judge in contempt of grand jury if they play around with our evidence collection or our depositions or other investigation. This is how power, this is the law, folks. Okay, so if a judge does that and keeps doing that and won't desist, that constitutes ground for a whole new criminal presentment against that judge later, okay? So when a judge becomes bent, to get back to your, to your um, hypothetical, Tim, when a judge becomes bent, becomes just entirely too imperious, too haughty, the grand jury is we the people's mechanism to put even bad judges in their place. Folks, we already have the authority, the power to do that. We have to do it. And John's going to go through a lot more detail here. We have to do it in the way that, that our fathers did it, in the, in the lawful way. Point number eight, and then I'll let John uh, carry on from then on. Point number eight is that a county grand jury is only as effective as its education, as its, its, its briefing, its support, okay? The most vital support that a grand jury panel has is jointly deploying with the duly constituted state militia, the, the unit in that county, to be able to execute uh, the search and arrest warrants that it, that it issues, especially in a public servant's office. You can't get the sheriff to do that if the sheriff's the one you're going after. So that's what we mean in the Constitution. When you read in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, the Congress shall have the power to call forth the militia to execute the laws of the union. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I, we, we've talked about this being hand in hand anyway. Uh, the Constitution militia and the grand jury, we had this discussion. Uh, what was it last year, David? And we'll put we'll put that up because there's probably some things that we're going to miss or hit or whatever in the midst of our conversation here, so people can go back and they can hear that as well. John, okay, he's turning it over to you. You got some points to cover too. Um, we're going to kick it over to you for the next few points on this grand jury issue. Right, thank you, Tim. 
So uh, point well, the the uh, I guess the coda to what uh, to point number eight that David was talking about is the way I like to state it is that no institution will police itself, and that's why the Constitution kept policing basically in the hands of the people. So anyway, point number nine from our list: in most states, a person can be charged with a crime by accusation or by indictment, and an indictment is issued by a grand jury after receiving a presentment or evidence sufficient to determine that probable cause exists to send the case to trial. And it's at the trial where guilt or innocence is actually determined, again, by a jury, the people. Point number 10, uh, if a criminal suspect has not yet been arrested for the crime uh, for which the grand jury returns an, invite, an indictment, then the grand jury also issues a grand jury arrest order to the sheriff uh, or, or to the paid police agency uh, in any case where the sheriff will not cooperate or the paid police agency uh, will not bite the hand that feeds them, uh, the arrest order then can be executed by the militia. Uh, and then, of course, going back to the, to the point about possibilities of, of the bent, so the system itself being bent, uh, if, the, uh, if the sheriff and or the paid police agency uh, will not make the arrest after the grand jury has handed down the indictment, uh, then the grand jury has the option to investigate that sheriff or that agency for conspiracy or obstruction of justice. Point number 11. Uh, America's three unique blessings, we all like to say, are the U.S. Constitution, by which we the people created, defined, and limited our government, and these two core law enforcement institutions that we're talking about, grand jury and militia. Uh, incidentally, since grand jury is stipulated in the Constitution, it's a violation of that supreme law for any state to abolish its grand jury. Uh, yet, I think uh, Connecticut and Pennsylvania have done so. Uh, point number 12, and, and this is from Judge Scalia's ruling for the majority in the U.S. versus Williams case from 1992 that David mentioned. Uh, quote, uh, rooted in long centuries of Anglo-American history, the grand jury is mentioned in the Bill of Rights, but not in the body of the Constitution. It is a constitutional fixture in its own right. It belongs to no branch of the institutional government. Points uh, numbers 13 through 16 also come from that same Supreme Court case. Uh, number 13 is, uh, again in Scalia's words, although the grand jury normally operates in the courthouse and under judicial auspices, its institutional relationship with the judicial, with the judicial branch has traditionally been arm's length. Judges' direct involvement in the functioning of the grand jury has generally been confined to calling the grand jurors together and administering their oaths of office, end quote. Uh, point number 14, yet another quote. The grand jury requires no authorization from its constituting court to initiate an investigation. The grand jury generally operates without the interference of a presiding judge. It swears in its own witnesses. The whole history of the grand jury institution in which laymen conduct their own inquiries is unfettered by technical rules. Uh, point number 15, quote, the Fifth Amendment's constitutional guarantee presupposes that the grand jury is independent of either prosecuting attorney or judge. And the last point in this list, uh, number 16, quote, the Sixth Amendment right to counsel does not apply for an individual summoned to appear before a grand jury even if he is the subject of the investigation. David? Thanks, John. So there you go. It's uh, 
people don't understand, they don't know, they're completely ignorant of these points. And so if you've never heard these things before, they probably sound shocking uh, to you. Uh, it, it sounds like we're giving you something off of some other planet or <laughs> out of some other legal system. No, we just weren't taught in school the truth about our grand jury, nor are we taught about our militia. We have duties. So that means um, once we get tactical civics established and we have operating chapters from coast to coast and we have enough numbers of people, when a grand jury brings in a corrupt legislator or judge or prosecutor or sheriff, they don't even get the benefit of legal counsel. Okay, that's that Sixth Amendment right to counsel does not imply it does not apply if you're summoned before a grand jury. Remember, this is not yet a trial. That that all of, a benefit of legal counsel that comes after you're indicted. Then you've got benefit of legal counsel before actual trial. Here's what this here's why this is so. It allows the citizens who are serving on a grand jury to question the suspect before they can, you know, hide stuff, before they can get their, their lawyer involved and fancy legal tricks can be brought into play. So you see how much power, you see how much authority we the people have had, and we've had that authority, we've had that duty for grand jury uh, uh, since before we were even a constitutional republic. We've said it again and again. If you miss this half of the law enforcement duty that we all have as Americans, then, yeah, militia can suppress insurrections and repel invasions, but today's greatest insurrections against our rule of law, the greatest invasions of our, of our rights today are from purely criminal activity by our government at all levels. That's, that's, they're the worst ones. So militia can't do its most urgently needed job without the grand jury as its partner. See, the rule of law is the core of our system. We've, we've always said, you say it 10 times a day, Tim, our system is based on the gospel of Christ. It's based on New Testament Christianity lived out. That's what the founders of this place believed, and it drove everything. It drove how, how they created everything, our legal, our ethical, our moral, our family uh, uh, mores, everything. But rule of law is the core of that system, not dictatorship at one extreme, not random head chopping at the other extreme like the, like the French Jacobins during the French Revolution. But on its own, if you think about it, on its own, if you just have militia, how does a militia figure out who to pursue? And, and how do you figure out what potential crimes or insurrection? How, does the militia do it? No. The militia, if we don't do things according to ancient rule of law, we do become like the French Revolution, like the Jacobins. So remember, a grand jury does not determine guilt or innocence. This is not a trial process yet. That's the function of the actual prosecution process. The grand jury, though, begins the process to establish probable cause. So we the people can talk, talking about uh, Tom DiLorenzo yesterday, who he did great, by the way. It was a great show, Tim. Uh, we, the people, can touch those untouchables, okay, by serving in informed, briefed, competent grand jury and militia. So 
we don't have to just accept, accept organized crime in government. By the way, Dom Lorenzo wrote a great other book that I don't know if you mentioned yesterday. I don't remember you I, mentioning I did it. It's called... I did it right at the first, the, the deal about organized crime and government. Yep. Yeah, organized crime, the unvarnished truth about government. If you go through that book, you just, oh, man, you see everything that we talk about every day, all of the actual daily crimes, fraud, theft, counterfeiting, extortion. They do it every day. They do it every day. Okay. It, it, and and like, like Tom DeLorenzo said, Professor DeLorenzo yesterday if we did any of those things, we'd be in prison immediately. But government does all of them, and it gets away with it. Okay, the mission of tactical civics is to end that, okay? We're, we're hijacked right now. America is hijacked, has been since Lincoln in the 37th Congress. We've discussed that before. That's how long we've been on this hijacking, folks. It didn't start with Obama. It didn't start with Woodrow Wilson or, or FDR, okay? It started in the time of Lincoln, Marx, and Darwin. So you, the listener, now understand, if you go back and listen to this a few times, you're going to understand a little better the vital importance of our duty and of our authority when we're serving on a grand jury panel. All right, David, we got a question uh, in the chat. Uh, Wes is asking, um, so a subject cannot hide behind the fifth with a grand jury. Um, you want to you want to address, see if you can address that. They're asking about the, I guess, the Fifth Amendment, the the right to not incriminate oneself. How how would the, how does that work with a grand jury? Because the grand jury is obviously different from that which when they have a criminal charge. Because the grand jury is just doing an investigation. The that's uh, correct. So so yeah, they can they have that right to be quiet if that's what they want to do. But once they come before the other, what how does that play into to some of this? Okay, remember this is not a trial. This is the pre-indictment phase of, of law enforcement in our country. So, and, and by the way, grand juries are not used for, for, uh, for small cases for misdemeanor uh, crimes, okay? It is used for felonies, for big stuff. That, the grand, you don't call the grand jury for all the small cases in your, in your uh, vicinity and in your town and in your county. So, number one, you're only looking at the big stuff. If, if the grand jury gets called up, uh, or if the grand jury is already sitting, you might be sitting, you know, a particular grand jury panel may say, you know, we still have more business here in the county, and you may keep your grand jury running for two years. And some people may have to cycle off because they've got too many things or whatever, uh, too many responsibilities, but you just, uh, you replace them. Uh, you, you ask the clerk, okay, we need, we've got two people out of 24 who need to cycle off the, the panel uh, in this grand jury. Can you give us two more? So all you do is you keep going. You, the people of the community always have an out. You always have a way to stop crime. You can never say, oh, no, woe is us, uh, everything, you know. And, and the federal government's going to come in and, and ruin all of this because of uh, – uh, Oh, what is it? Uh, uh, code section 26, uh, for, uh, 1441, which is called uh, federal removal jurisdiction, where they say, oh, no, 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 this is a federal case. This is a federal actor. Look, if the person lives in your county, if the person is doing, you think that they're doing a crime, you can go after them and you can uh, do your discovery. You can 
uh, have the militia or the sheriff go in and collect uh, information, and you can subpoena those people, bring them in for questioning, et cetera. Now, so, David, David, I can hear people. I can hear the wheels turning in people's heads, and they're going, well, wait a minute. If I do this, that, and the other, I've had uh, CPS come after my children. I've had this come after this, that, and the other. We're talking about something completely different. We're not talking about an anonymous person who does something here. I want to reassure people of what David's saying. We're not talking about an anonymous person who makes a you know a tip, and then uh, CPS who really shouldn't exist in our society. I'm just going to tell you, this should be the work of the church. You're here. Um, and uh, we, we have them, or we have the police going over something that has no evidence, uh, wanting to, to get into people's lives. That's not what you're talking about here. You're talking about a group of people who are convinced a crime's been committed, and they're willing to, to go to the extreme that they're having to put their reputations on the line too. I mean, this is part of what the Bible teaches about us about and the ninth commandment about not bearing a false witness. It isn't about deception or whatever. We we know that uh, Rahab was uh, praised in the book of Hebrews because she hid the the spies and and she even told the guys, oh, they went off here when she's hiding them in her house. So she had great faith in the God that they served. So it wasn't that. It was about bearing false witness in a court of laws under an issue of judgment against somebody that we're not allowed to lie or deceive about that. We have to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And what you're saying is not something that sets somebody up for you know somebody to be vindictive for them, but there's got to be a lot of people to it. They're actually going to be putting their names well, on the that, line, from what I understand. That's, Tim, Tim, that's exactly why, when you think about it here, when you have an operative for government, some bureaucrat doing something, uh, based on no, you know, really no factual evidence that can be ascertained. Remember what John was reading from, from 997 AD, the dooms of King Ethelred, when he says, and let them swear that they will never knowingly accuse an innocent man, nor conceal a guilty man. Okay, so when you have 24 of your fellow members of your community, of your county, sitting in a, in, on a panel, and somebody brings a information brings a potential presentment and they say look this is happening this person is abusing their child or this person is doing whatever remember if it's not a potential felony the grand jury won't take it because grand juries don't deal with misdemeanor crime or they there would be no not enough time in in your life to deal with all of the all of the small criminal issues in in a given place but um, yeah, when, when, it, when it, I'd much rather have 24 of my fellow citizens see whether or not I did something rather than some bureaucrat somewhere by themselves, unchecked by anyone, determining that I did something. The other, so, the other thing to bring in here is that an institution has a life of its own. An institution called CPS uh, lives and breathes and fattens by finding what they choose to call abuse and by, by causing trouble for people. And the same thing happens with, with paid police agencies. They live on their statistics. How many people did we bust? A group of right. citizens does not have that corrupting influence, that, that corrupting tendency, that corrupting priority. It's just the people taking care of their own community. Exactly. That's why the, the traditional way of referring uh, to the grand jury is that it is a sword and a shield. 
a sword and a shield. So if you are uh, uh, suspected of committing a crime, the, the idea is that the grand jury determines whether probable cause exists. It does not say you have committed a crime. It says we're going to issue a true bill of indictment so that this can go to a trial, and at trial will be determined whether or not a crime was actually committed. So, but, but you have to understand how powerful it still is to indict a, a, a public officer. When a, when a legislator, when a judge, especially people like judges and sheriffs, who have, there's nobody more, more haughty, there's nobody more um, overbearing and narcissistic in a county, in any county, than judges. The judges are the most officious, haughty people in our society, and they know it. And so they have this place where, after a while, it's, it, it just happens. It, it just, you get a big head and you, you, you can't be found wrong. And so everybody knows how to play that game. Whether you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney, you know not to cross that judge. You know you are not going to cross. That judge can be a complete atheist, you know, uh, tyrant, completely lawless, you're not going to cross that judge. If you're going to appear in that court again, you are not going to cross that judge. The people don't have those constraints. The people can say, this judge is bent. Look what this judge is covering. And you say, this particular judge has already covered for three pedophile cases and let them off the hook. What is going on with this judge? Go look. If you think, if you start seeing that in a judge, you say, that is perfectly, that is exactly what grand jury is for. You go determine now. You make sure that grand jury panel needs to go determine what that judge is doing. And that's where the, the, the uh, uh, evidence collection and subpoena power of the, of the grand jury happens. That is the most clear place where you can see how our system is supposed to correct itself when it gets bad on the inside. When the judge in a court can't be trusted, the people have to come in and fix it. Okay, David. That's we've... the purpose of the grand jury. Okay. All right. Now, we've got a, a caller come in, and I believe this is Wes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Wes, are you there? Yes. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Now, Wes wanted to clarify because he was the one asking about uh, the Fifth Amendment and this grand jury uh, selection. He said it wasn't an answer. So I said, call in. And uh, so, Wes, you got the floor, man. Thank you very much. I'll make it brief. Okay. Uh, I certainly understand your guest's point about, uh, you know, petty charges, if you will. Yeah, I'd clog the courts up forever. My direct question is, so with a grand jury, is an individual or subject being questioned by the grand jury permitted to hide behind the Fifth Amendment? In other words, you know, I, you know, I plead the Fifth. Yes or no? Yes. <clears throat> yes, they can do that. Um, in other words, a person can go in and they can lie. Uh, they can they can obfuscate. They can uh, avoid anything they like, and the panel will take all of that under. It's, <laughs> we'll discover whether or not they, they need to take other additional witnesses and say, okay, uh, this person's not willing to say anything to us, and here's the charge that we got on this presentment from this other party. We can't name the party. And so you, you dig. I mean, the whole idea is uh, if, if the person is unwilling uh, 
to, to say something on the grounds that might incriminate them, that's fine. But the whole purpose of the, of the uh, grand jury cannot thereby be obviated by the person just saying, okay, it ends here. I'm not going to talk to you, so it ends. No, it doesn't. Not if you're the target. Yeah, this would be. You keep looking. Let me let me see if I can interject there. This would be in a similar manner that uh, you know, if a police officer calls you in for questioning, you can remain silent. That doesn't stop the investigation. You just uh, you give up uh, you give up the opportunity to, to give your side of the story. Um, I think that's kind of the thing that that Wes is asking. Can the people shut it down? I think, or can the person shut it down just by not saying anything? Is that right, Wes? Is that what you're sort of getting at? Pretty much. I just wanted to clarify uh, that if indeed they can still use the fifth, even though they're not on trial, it's just an investigation. That's why I needed my clarity to understand. All right, so they can still exercise their rights, but they do not have to answer any question presented by the grand jury. Yeah, correct? you get my understanding. Correct? That, yeah, that's that's well, kind that's of the cor- that, that's correct. Now, they can plead the fifth, but they can't plead the sixth. In other words, they can't say, well, I, you know, I've got my right to counsel. Not before a grand jury, you don't. That be, that's Correct. the trial process. We're not at the trial process yet. You haven't been indicted yet. We want to know this, that, and the other. So, yeah, but but the fifth, they can they can be completely mute. Okay, well, thank you for answering and clarifying that for me. I appreciate it. Sure, thank you, Wes. Yeah, thank you, Wes, for calling in. We appreciate your call, man. And your support, too. Wes is on. Wes is on. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. (laughs) Uh, Wes is on every uh, morning with us, and uh, he's one of those guys who've encouraged me. You know, he was um, uh, a guy who really supported Trump and all this other stuff and bought into the lies that were going on. And he said, the more I listened to your show and the more evidence you produced, the more I became convinced that you were telling us the truth rather than somebody else. So, Wes, we appreciate you, man. We we appreciate your support. And you were a tremendous encouragement to us in that. Uh, David, um, that that does get back to some things even that goes on now. You know, we see the television shows where the person gets uh, pulled into the police precinct and uh, they get questioned. They go, I want my lawyer. I want my lawyer. And uh, and they haven't even been charged with anything yet. They're just being questioned. So you were just touching on some stuff that comes through the propaganda that comes through the media, whether it's a movie or um, you know, a television show or something like that, that people get inundated with, much like they get inundated with when the feds show up at a crime scene. They can just take over any crime scene they want to. The propaganda is incredible uh, that comes out to the people in the United States. And, and you're helping to reverse a lot of that. Well, we hope to. We're, we're not doing much yet because we don't reach a lot of people yet. But thanks to you and others like you, we're uh, getting the word out and we'll continue to as we grow. What we need, what tactical civics is all about right now is people not just listening to things like this, but saying, OK, I want to do something now. I want to start not just learning this stuff. I want to live it. How do I live it? And that's what tactical civics is. It's a it's a responsible new way of life. You've said it, Tim, many times. Uh, uh, repentance isn't just words. Repentance is action. Repentance is turning that 180 and actually living out the opposite of what you've been doing. If you know you've been in sin, if you know you've been uh, abdicating the duties that you have to your kids, your grandkids, and your God, then you have to do something. Don't just think differently. So, that's why we ask people, tacticalcivics.com is our website. Come on there, and you'll see a lot more besides just Grand Jury Awake. Grand Jury Awake is our 
our attempt to start opening the windows and letting fresh air in and saying, look, look at what the law actually says. Look at what our history actually is. Look at what the people who you thought were great actually did. Terrible things. You have to see these things. We're just like a bunch of Russians or Chinamen or something seeing the truth of what our government, the people who work for us, supposedly, have done to us. So like I said about Tom DiLorenzo's book, uh, Organized Crime, The Unvarnished Truth About Government, you read that book and you'll be furious. By the end of the book, you're furious. Well, we're, our books tell you now, what, here's what we do about it. Here's how we start repairing the walls. Here's the mortar. Here are the clean stones. You pick your section of the wall. It's your county. Now you start building. I can't do that for you. John Lazora can't do that for you. We can teach you. We can show you where to find things. Anything you need, contact us. We show you. We show you what we found and where we found it. I, I, David, and that's what me, we're doing. Let me interject something because this is something we get all the time at the Sons of Liberty. We give them information. We give the people information, and they'll say, "Well, what do I do?" And a lot of people really want to do something. They just don't know what to do. You guys are actually supplying that. Um, just in any kind of operation, whether it's a military, whether it's a business or whatever, people have different jobs. And our jobs is not necessarily what yours is. And, and as Paul says, you know, the body has different gifts. And I can't say to you, hey, David, I don't need you. We got it covered over here. And you can't say, Tim, we don't need you over there. We've got this covered. And, you know, we work together. We're part of the body. And in that body, God has given different gifts. I'm thinking of Ephesians 4 where God gifts people uh, teaching abilities and, and things of this nature. And so we work together. You guys are filling kind of a void here to where people who come on the Sons of Liberty, they're they're constantly asking, well, what do we do? Well, what do we do? Well, get in touch with David and uh, his team there at uh, Tactical Civics, and they can tell you. They've you you guys have already mapped out a plan. You just need to flesh it out with the people in their counties. You're already doing that. How many chapters do you have out through the United States, David? As of yesterday, 192. Okay, That's so how many counties are are waking up now? A chapter at this point. At this point, we want to make clear. A chapter is one person. We don't want people to start growing their chapter until we have enough chapters, until we build the network. Because when a chapter, uh, if somebody gets 20 members and they say, okay, we want to do, you know, we, we want to move ahead with the action uh, uh, project, we're not ready to do that yet. In your state, you're the only big chapter. Everybody else is, is either learning or not even, you know, half the, the uh, counties in your, in your state aren't even covered. We first have to build the net. Before we can catch those big fish, we've got to tie every one of those knots and make that net. So that's what we're doing. We need 3,141 chapters to cover the entire republic. We have 192, and we get more every week. We, we ask you, look, can you learn? Are you willing to learn? Then you, you can start a chapter, and it's just going to be you for right now. Don't panic about that. Don't think about having events and meetings. No, that comes later. Somebody else may do that. You might hand this off in a year or two. This is a group of learners who are saying, we're, now in, in some places we're looking, we are looking, and I'll let John talk to that uh, right now. We are looking right. for one active chapter. John, you want to talk about that one? 
sure. We do, we do have another uh, an, an active option, and this is going to depend on a, 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 a divinely provided uh, uh, group of events all happening in the same place. Uh, this is our, this is the, the grand jury plus militia uh, co-deployment in action. If there is a county which has a, a well-respected, active, organized militia group that's got good community relations, everybody knows they're the good guys, if we have additional people in that county who want to start a chapter, maybe there is a business in the county that wants to be a tactical civics affiliate uh, and, and uh, provide uh, space for meetings and, and uh, be the the first person that the militia guys go to for equipment, and if that county or locality has a governing body which believes in, in abiding by its oath to uphold the Constitution, then we have an ordinance which the, uh, the citizens can actually demand that their county government or their, their city government pass, which will recognize militia, which will do the jobs that the federal government and the state governments are supposed to be doing according to the Constitution, but which they have refused to do for 150 years. Uh, in this locality, militia can be established and recognized and coordinated with grand jury and can not only uh, take up, uh, in, in the full light of day, take up their function of protecting and defending their community and keeping the peace and suppressing insurrections, uh, but they can also begin the law enforcement process. And, and we are working with we're working with, with a scattering of counties uh, all over the country. Lots of them are in Virginia, uh, where, where they are thinking and talking about this. Can, can we do it? Are we ready? Do we have the people? Do we have the recognition? Do we have the support of our governing body? Uh, and this is really kind of the point of the spear at this point, because we think that once we get the process going and people can actually see people uh, Making making our constitution and common sense enforceable in their own community again, uh, we think a landslide of people will want to will want to jump in. Amen. Amen. John, uh, let me let me a... interrupt you here. We got to close out the show. I think we've covered all the points, guys. So, uh, David, do you want to tell people where they can find out more about you and your organization? We've got Wes. He says he's in. He wants to be number one ninety three. Tell him you got about twenty. You got about fifteen seconds. Tell him where they can find out more about you guys. Great. God bless you, Wes. Love to have you, man. Join us. Uh, just go to tacticalcivics.com, read the homepage, and it'll give you the instructions how to go from there, and uh, we'll hook you up. All right, guys. Well, that's David Zuniga and John Lesrick. Guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the enlightenment. We appreciate you guys. We'll have you back on. 23, no, 25 hours. Kate Shimarani here with the Sons of Liberty. See ya. Thank you, Tim. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, uh, I think that wraps up everything, and uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, you got a lot in in that hour. 